A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. You're very welcome to Second Captains at the Irish Times after a Champions League semi-final week that went goal crazy. We talked about an average of 0.5 goals per game in the first legs. Not great. Mm. A nice 800% increase to four goals per game. That's 800%, right? Yeah, that's 800%. Oh, yeah. This time around, both Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, Ken, uh, seem to grasp the idea that it's a pretty good idea. But it's just it's not impossible to score an away goal in yeah. Europe. They decided that they could score a few, and yeah. so they did. Smash in a few goals, and uh, it leaves you. Well, I mean, I think I think Jose Mourinho just has got such respect for goals. I mean, people say that he's got no respect for his opponents, and that he's got no respect for the game in some ways. But he does respect goals. He fears goals, and if uh, if as Atletico did. A team go two one up on his team at with his team at home with thirty five minutes still to go. He considers it, he considers it to be game over, game over two one. He said the penalty killed the game, and you're thinking there was still thirty five minutes left to to get back in the game. It's not impossible. I mean, it's difficult. It it involves you scoring two goals in thirty five minutes. I've seen it done, Owen. Yeah, I, I have of. seen it done. I think it's a little bit. Uh, Defeatist from Jose Mourinho. I mean, it did. It was. It was reading the game was true. I mean, Chelsea pretty much gave up. They quit. You know, I was surprised Mourinho was still standing there in the sideline at the end. I thought he he might have. You know, obviously he quit on his still in his head. But I was surprised he he remained there. Maybe he 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 usually likes before the game to before the game is over to actually leave. So I wondered why he hadn't just. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the I was struck by an interview he did before the match on Sky, where he was asked if you were, if it was still. Level at nil nil with half an hour to go. Would you be comfortable with that? And you could see him almost light up, thinking, "Yeah, that'd be great. That would be absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fifty percent of the way towards my objective of a penalty yeah, shootout. Exactly, Although yeah. you know, a penalty shootout in that situation with Courtois in the in the goal of Atletico and Schwarzer in goal for Chelsea, 
So it sounds like you were more disappointed by Chelsea rather than overjoyed by Atletico, who I thought. No, were I thought Atletico. Were, I thought Atletico were fantastic. I mean, Chelsea got what they deserved. I was just surprised that at that a uh, coach who's paid so much money, mm. who's you know won Champions League on a couple of occasions, uh, and is such a celebrated figure in 21st century culture, would give up on a game that still had 35 minutes to go. It's brilliant to have a new team at this stage, though, even in the semi-final, you were looking at the, the jerseys, everything about Atletico Madrid, I was just, I'm not used to this. You're used to the Bayern Munich, you're Bayern Munich's Ken, you're Real Madrid. Well, Bayern Munich did wear a very similar jersey to yeah. that in the 2010 Champions League final I'm, I'm against Inter. By, I'm impressed by Stripes, Smith. I mean, yeah. once Juventus fell off the top of the top of the tree, to be honest, I lost a lot of interest in European mm. football. Well, you've, well, I mean, it's Stripes. the 2020 2010 Champions League final did actually have Inter two Milan, teams. Of course. Two Barcelona? teams in stripes. Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona, there have been a lot of, team, a lot of teams in stripes. I'm going to rethink this strategy. Okay. And uh, move along. Kenny, of course. And move along. Perennial All-Ireland hurling finalist. To ask you if you saw Eamon Dunphy's story about Pep Guardiola. I did. <laughs> I was the, right. It was a great story. Can you explain what he said? So, uh, essentially, after uh, Bayern won the league, which, which, as we all know, was a long time ago, mm. uh, several weeks back, uh, Pep uh, said, right, lads, We've just won the league. This is literally in the dressing room after the game, you know, just as they're getting changed. Right, lads, you know, let's uh, quickly get changed because we're going out in the battle tonight. <laughs> and he takes them out. And uh, according to Evan Duffy, they carried him out of a nightclub at 7 a.m. And then the rest of them went on. <laughs> I hope one of the boys in a taxi at least, surely. They brought him right back to the hotel. But then they just kept on partying, presumably. Well, what, what, party. what more, what more does, could he possibly ask? They were in Berlin, you see. So, yeah. so they won the one league in Berlin, so they can, you know, you can, you got a lot of options, you know. Um, they left uh, Pep off, and then I suppose they hit, they hit Berghain. And uh, a couple of days later, you know, <laughs> Tony Kroos and Holger Badstuber uh, blearily uh, hobbling out of, of, you know, into, into the shameful morning light. No, I mean, I thought, wow, this is an amazing story. I, I, I'm surprised I didn't see this at the time. Uh, <laughs> was it kind of thrown in just as an aside? Or yeah, pretty was much. There a, was there a, like... Well, it was, no, it was in, the overall point being made was that maybe... There are cultural differences between Guardiola no, and his German. Uh, no, it wasn't that. No, it, it was that they took their eye off the ball, that there, there's been a shift down the gear since they won okay. the league. And maybe it began with this massive all-night bender that yeah. they were all supposedly on. I mean, uh, you see, okay, so, so obviously I went to, to see, this is, an, this is an incredible story. What You know, what's the story? They actually went to a place called Kitty Chang in, uh, on Torstrasse in Berlin. And they hung out there till five o'clock in the morning, which is... Which is not really that late. Well, no, they probably would only finish their game pretty late. So, uh, yeah, um, they were all in their club tracksuits. Saw some photos of that. Yeah, um, and Pep Guardiola took to the dance floor to dance to "Happy" by Pharrell Williams. Okay, but it doesn't say anything about him getting carried out. And given that there's photographs of all this, <laughs> including one of Thomas Miller gurning, uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure that if Pep had been carried out, well, maybe the German photographers just had too much respect for Pep. They could have been. That could be it, you know? Lots of things happen in sport that I, I guess are just are slightly glossed over by people close to Although, the story. usually, paparazzi will take a photograph of an inebriated <laughs> celebrity getting, especially when he's a football coach. I've, of seen, one or, yeah. I've seen one or two of those. You'd before. see a really, sen- <laughs> a really sensible looking Aryan Robin just carrying him, just, God, this again. Oh, this guy. Now, apparently, Pep Guardiola was always a big fan of that idea that, okay, we, when we work, we work. But when we party, we party. 
That was his. That was his attitude. I would Barcelona. have had a peg for a non-partier for some reason. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean Barcelona. If you read that out of the book, would be like, Nah, boss, no, we'll just we'll just get home and we'll get in early for another if video. If he parties analysis with the session. intensity that he works with, yeah, I could I could see there being trouble. You could see there there being problems, but you know, and, and, well, apparently he does. You know, he says, "Look, uh, we're here to have fun." You know, you think I'm a kind of a buttoned-up guy? You know, whatever. And he takes off his jacket and takes off his jumper, and he's wearing a t-shirt. You know. Looks great. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, well, I could kind of see it. But I can't really, I can't really I'm see really it. I'm really looking forward to US Murph today. We're going to be talking about Donald Sterling, the owner of the LA Clippers. This is a huge, huge scandal in America. It's basically American sport. It's uh, gone a lot higher than sport. Barack Obama spoke about it uh, early in the week or possibly late last weekend. He's been banned for life and is forced to sell his team now. This is the NBA team, the LA Clippers, after being caught on tape making incredibly offensive and racist remarks. Now, this is if you're looking for your scandals that have compelling characters, you've got your evil racist billionaire right there with background allegations of discrimination against black tenants as a landlord, slumlord, I guess you could call him. A girlfriend with uh, dubious motives, perhaps, taping that phone call Mm -hmm. and it it ending up at the gossip website TMZ, um, who are players in this story. And a new NBA commissioner, this this guy, I find this guy fascinating. He is thrown in here. The last guy was there for about 150 years, possibly since before basketball even existed in any codified form. He invented and then became commissioner of the NBA. Yeah, and then lived an awful long time, right? So this guy, uh, uh, what's his name again? Was I to say Howard? Adam Silver. No, the, oh, the this guy. Last guy's uh, David Stern. I say yeah, Howard Stern. Stern. Yeah, that's where yeah, I was. So this, would this be a much guy, more entertaining place. This than new Howard guy Stern looks is. like what you would imagine an administrator might look like. He's uh, fairly bookish. Uh, he's fairly serious looking. He doesn't look particularly intimidating in any way. But boy, did he come out with all guns blazing, banning. He may have been in college with Homer Simpson. Is basically what we're saying. Yeah. Here. So there's uh, a hell of a lot of interesting stuff to talk about here, again. Mm. You, you know about this story? Yeah, I think everybody knows about this story. It's. Um, Always good to see uh, uh, an evil old racist billionaire paying for his crimes. I know you're not sure about the tactics employed here, though. They don't sit too easy with you. This idea of pe- people having private phone calls well, taped say, and then published to, to the it's world. Something, it's something that we were talking about before. Remember, it came up with the, that issue of Jose Mourinho having a, having a laugh, what he thought was a laugh. I don't know, possibly Mourinho had got a bit squiffy at some event with the sponsors. It was like a hublot, I think, the Swiss watches. And Mourinho was telling them, ah, oh, you know, I don't have any strikers. Look at my strikers, half men or, oh, apart from Eto, but, you know, what age is he? 97. <laughs> you know, and uh, this is all then published. Much to Mourinho's horror and consternation, you know, he thought, well, I thought it was just a private conversation. And here I am. I, I find there's no trust there can't be any trust between a, a manager and and a group of hundreds of people you've never met before. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, I mean, this isn't even this is an actually private conversation, which is quite clearly uh, being recorded by one of the parties to the conversation. Judging by the very stilted part that she has to. Oh yeah, it. she's very clear in expressing her outrage at the comments yeah. as well. I'm not going to say she knew this would ultimately be published somewhere, but it, it does rather sound. If I mean, if I wanted to tape someone saying some things like that, and I wanted to ask them a few leading questions and prod them into saying <laughs> terrible things, that those might be the things that I say. Now, who has any sympathy for Donald Sterling? No, Certainly no, not. No, he no. deserves. Yeah, he deserves what yeah. he's what he's going to get. Just, hold on, sorry. It's just that you should remember that if you think. Uh, if you think you are getting away with things in private, forget it. There is 
it doesn't exist anymore. You better, you'd better behave yourself. If you think you can go around uh, being a hypocrite and getting away with it, you can't do that anymore. It's time, yeah. to, time to behave, Murph. I would, be, I would be a little bit concerned, though, about, oh, well, he deserved it anyway. So, you know, let's go around taping people's conversations. Evil old man gets comeuppance is, is really the story. Now, in the middle there, there's a little bit evil old man is, is tricked by <laughs> conniving. Uh, look, who knows, who knows exactly what was going on in the situation. But uh, if he hadn't been an evil old man, yeah. would he be in this fix well, now? Well, yeah, that's the whole idea, basically, isn't it? That as long as the guy on the receiving end, you know, really deserves it. I mean, yeah, and the stuff he said, the stuff he said was like. exceptional. It wasn't just a, a flipping throwaway remark. It yeah. was an incredible stuff he was talking about. And we'll, I don't want to go into all the detail now because we do have US Murph to talk about a little bit later on. And we'll, we're going to spend a good bit of time on today's show chatting about this. But we'll also check in with the former tip captain, Benny Dunn, about the league final against Kilkenny this weekend. Uh, a lot of interest, Murph, this year in how Kilkenny were going to react to the challenge thrown down by Clare and Limerick and these other teams who burst on the scene last year. Will they adapt their game? Will they change their personnel? Well, They've decided the best policy, Brian, this is Brian Cody, could be his greatest masterstroke, is to clone all of his best players. Not so much clone them, just ask them, have they got little brothers who are any good? Mm. So Tommy Walsh brings in his little brother, who looks exactly like Tommy Walsh on the field. Jersey hanging out slightly, quite small, same position, jumping way higher than a guy of his height should jump. They've got, they already had Colin Fenley in there, who was like a sort of souped up attacking version of... Uh, but Michael has, Fenley but has uh, stepped it up massively in this yeah absolutely league. and John Power Richie Power's brother who doesn't look dissimilar to, to Richie they're, mm. they're just it's, throwing it's, all the little brothers in it's a tale as old as time itself though I mean you know is there a county better than Kilkenny at uh, you know finding a rich seam of genetics and then just murderously going after it and like mining it for every last cent mm. Uh, I don't know that there's a county out there that's been any better than Kilkenny at that. Ah, oh, Wolfie, forgot. Get back. Get back in your box, please. If that's if if he's telling me, if he's trying to tell me, it's KBC there. Bank, Murph, yeah. and not just KBC Bank, but your favourite type of bank account within that bank. Oh, that's the KBC regular. Saver account, oh, that's right. With the help of KBC, we're offering one lucky listener the chance to win a 500 euro cash prize. Nothing guns my engines quite like a regular savings account and but 500 euro. That's not all, Murph, because that money will come in a special limited edition second captain's P-Bezo mug along with a set of super slick second captain's darts which have arrived in the office. Mm, I've held them in my hands, zone, and they're made of the finest tungsten known to man. Tend to that competition, just visit irishtimes.com forward slash second captains and for more information, visit the KBC regular saver page on kbc.ie. Terms and conditions apply. I don't need to tell you guys here that the KBC Bank Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Time now for US Murph. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behaviour. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Brian Murphy, how are you this week? 
Boys, it is so good to be back with you after a, a little brief absence, and uh, I guess it took the uh, the entire meltdown of uh, of U.S. race relations and sports to get us back together. So, uh, oh my God, boy, is this a scatterbrain? Yeah, Donald Sterling is the name of the man we're talking about here. He's the oh owner of the, the Clippers NBA team. Okay, on a scale of one to OJ, how big a scandal is this? <laughs> Very good. I like that. Is it around uh, Tiger boy. levels? Uh, what are we talking about? Here? <laughs> God, these are great questions. Questions that not, I didn't even have the brain to ponder on my uh, on my own radio show. On a scale of one to Tiger, on a scale of one to OJ, not quite there. That's not to diminish this one at all. But you've just you guys brought out the two. You know, you guys just went straight to Mount Everest right there with OJ and Tiger. I mean, those will be the. Uh, I still think OJ is the ultimate. I put Tiger two. This one's uh, coming up for the bronze medal, perhaps. How's that? So they're, um, they're, that's three faces on the Mount Rushmore of American sports <laughs> scandals. There's got to be another one we're forgetting right now. There's so many anymore. Uh, but this one is amazing because it's actually lasted even longer than your usual 24-hour news cycle. You know, usually these days, something breaks. We all gorge on it like vultures for a day, and then you show up the next day like it never happened. You know, it's like it's amazing how fast we move on. But this one, since it broke Saturday morning, we're now well into the following week, and it's still a front-burner topic. So uh, that, that, that is an amazing achievement in this short attention span, 140-character era. We've talked a little bit about it, Brian, but can you just uh, start from scratch here, lay out the story of what happened? Okay, so on Saturday morning, uh, right before game three, right before, in between games three and four of the Los Angeles Clippers Golden State Warriors first round Western Conference NBA playoff series, a, a juicy series to begin with between two exciting young teams on the West Coast. The Golden State Warriors being our very own, a can be ours very own. We are the flagship station of the Warriors. We broadcast all their games with our star shooter, Steph Curry, who's one of the more exciting young players in the NBA, against Blake Griffin and the LA Clippers, who have displaced the Lakers as LA's team. And so there was a lot of intrigue into that series going on anyway. Well, TMZ, guys, there's three letters you never want to hear, like, hey, you know, Owen, Kieran, TMZ called. They, want, they have something they want to talk to you about. You never, you never want to get that message, right? TMZ is a Hollywood gossip website that is now branched into sports, and they uh, released an audio tape purported to be the voice of 80-year-old Los Angeles Clipper owner Donald Sterling having a very bizarre discussion with his mistress, who's a young woman named V. Stiviano, uh, a very pretty young girl of African and Mexican descent who has taped him, apparently, on a cell phone uh, and discussing the fact that he was angry at her for posting an Instagram with uh, L.A. Laker and NBA Hall of Fame legend Magic Johnson. And the discussion ensued over the course of about 10 to 15 minutes that he was upset with her for posting pictures of Magic Johnson, that he would like her to take it down because he doesn't want her to associate or broadcast that she associates with black people, is what he said. He also said, don't bring them to my games. And that was pretty much the smokingest of guns. There was a lot of peripheral stuff around it. But what it brought to immediately to the front, uh, front burner was that an NBA owner, was advocating that black people not come to his games, nor that he wants anybody associated with him to, quote, associate or broadcast that they are with black people or have black friends. And, of course, in a league that's 77% black, 
that uh, went over, uh, you can imagine how it went over, not to mention just on the human race level in an era of 2014 where most people are trying to strive to get beyond racism in a world. And I know it's a huge problem in European football as recently as this week, yeah. too. But, uh, you know, obviously, and this is, uh, w- guys, I mean, without, you know, burning all the tape on this here, burning, burning all the, the podcast, this also opened the door onto Donald Sterling's entire career, which has been a, basically a 35-year joke where he has been widely considered the worst owner in U.S. sports, and it brought to the fore that this is a man who was basically a slumlord and, and had been sued in, in, for violation of federal law for housing discrimination in, in that uh, the, the people who ran his property said that he advocated that they not rent to blacks or Mexicans or Asians because of the negative associations they would bring to his properties. He even was quoted as saying such vile things as that blacks attract vermin and odor and that all Mexicans do is sit around and drink all day. It's a very, very dramatic stuff. Now, this was stuff that was never caught on tape, nor was he found guilty in court of. He settled a housing discrimination suit out of court without admitting guilt. The other aspect, too, was it brought up that he had a black general manager named Elgin Baylor, who was one of the greatest players in NBA history, who, uh, when he was fired by Donald Sterling of the Clippers, sued him for racial harassment and lost that suit, actually. So it brought all these things to the fore. Donald Sterling as the one of the worst owners in U.S. sports. Donald Sterling as a man who has disgraced uh, Elgin Baylor. Donald Sterling as a man who's theoretically violated housing discrimination laws. And Donald Sterling now caught on tape. Uh, advocating that his girlfriend, his mistress, even though he's married, not bring uh, black men or friends to games and to take down an Instagram Magic Johnson. Put it all together in today's day and age of media and and instant uh, news, and you had a full-blown controversy, guys. Staggering, Brian, and beautifully explained there, which brings us to the reaction to all of this. You've explained what actually took place. Now you said it's rolled on for the last few days. How has it been dealt with within American sports? Great question, because it's been dealt with on a number of different levels over a number of different days. There was the initial reaction on Saturday, which is, oh my God, what's going on? Guys, we didn't even talk about the other angle of this, which is that it was a private recording recorded surreptitiously. Yeah, I wanted to get to that because <laughs> I don't know if, the, if there's any uneasy feeling about... There is. About, there is, and I would highly recommend as, as, the, as the first of one of my many digressions, which I always am so proud of, uh, <laughs> is that I would recommend you guys read Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's essay in Time Magazine, time.com. I know your listeners out there are always bright people who are looking for links, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the great uh, Los Angeles Laker, NBA champion, Hall of Famer, wrote an essay about it in which... He advocated two arguments because the moral outrage was very, very easy. It was easy to say this guy is a bad guy. He's a racist, and he shouldn't own an NBA team. That was the easy knee-jerk reaction. There's no, basically, LeBron James took the lead uh, at his game that day. Magic Johnson took the lead with an immediate tweet, and they both said there's no room in the NBA for Donald Sterling. That was basically the first reaction on Saturday. There's no room in the NBA for Donald Sterling. So that kind of gained steam Saturday. Sunday was game four, and the Clippers had to play the Warriors. The big question was, what would the Clippers do? Now, they're coached by a very classy guy named Doc Rivers, who won an NBA championship with the Celtics as a coach. And Doc Rivers has shined throughout this thing, guys. He's a very expressive, intelligent, engaging dude. He's charismatic. And he, he was very honest and open about his conversations with his players and how agonizing it was for them to think that they are working for this guy, that they are actually having to wear this guy's uniform, and that most of the, these black players who now know how he feels about them 
or as it turns out, we find out from anecdote after anecdote that every black player who's ever played for him has felt this way about Donald Sterling, uh, is that they don't want to even they didn't even know whether they're going to play. So we went into Sunday's reaction, which was day two, which is what is going to happen with the Clippers. What are they going to do? Are they going to take the court? Are they going to boycott the game? Are the Warriors going to boycott the game? Mark Jackson, the head coach of the Warriors, a black man, said, this doesn't just affect the Clippers, it affects all of us. So the big question was, what are they going to do? Well, well, they did a, a small symbolic gesture. They came out for their warm-ups, and they turned their jerseys inside out so that the word Clippers was not showing. So that was their gesture. Many people have criticized, not many, some criticized them, saying that wasn't enough. That in, 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 a, in a sports history where you had guys like uh, Muhammad Ali going to jail for his beliefs, or John Carlos and Tommy Smith defying uh, convention by raising their black fist at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, that the Clippers and Warriors should have done more, and that the NBA should have done more. So there was that reaction on the uh, Sunday. Then there was the Monday reaction, which is, okay, well, the NBA, what are they going to do? And on Monday, the NBA said, we're going to have a press conference on Tuesday. And this is a brand-new commissioner. Add to the next level of this, guys, is that David Stern, who ruled the NBA for 30 years, is gone. He retired in February, and an absolute newbie named Adam Silver, who none of us knew anything about, other than he's a very skinny, bald guy with big ears and glasses, and he looks like a scientist or a doctor, that he was going to be the guy who would have to make this big decision. And everybody figured, what's he going to do? He's going to, there's no way he's going to have the, the cojones to come down on, on Don Sterling. So Monday, everybody said, what's going to happen on Tuesday? Well... Tuesday was day four, and Don uh, and uh, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, won near universal acclaim by coming out with the harshest possible penalty and banned him for life. He also fined him two point five million, but that was almost inconsequential compared to the lifetime ban. And guys, he says he will use league authority to force the owners to force Donald Sterling to sell his team. It's unprecedented. Some wonder if it's legal. They were setting up for a huge legal battle. Don Sterling says, you can't force me to sell my team. I'm an American independent private businessman. It's my property. I can't sell it. And the NBA says, no, no, we do have the authority to tell you to do that. It's in our Constitution if we have enough votes from the owners. So we're set up for a huge legal battle. Adam Silver has emerged as somewhat of a champion because in, a, in an American sports landscape where Bud Selig is the king of waffling, has never really come out on steroids until – 10 years too late, and where Roger Goodell seems to try, to try to pretend he doesn't have a concussion issue or at least tries to uh, sweep it under the rug, Adam Silver stood out for a stark, dominant act of absolutely obliterating Donald Sterling. So that's where we find ourselves. The Clippers, meanwhile, lost that game four because they were a bit in a daze, and then they came out inspired in game five by their home crowd, which was chanting, we are one. That's their big chant now. And they're up 3-2 on the Warriors, and I would think the NBA would really like it if they kept advancing because it's a heck of a story. Yeah, well, it really is, Brian. And those are the names you mentioned, Eric, of course, the commissioners in the, uh, the MLB and the NFL at the moment. Uh, this new guy, Adam Silver, in the NBA, I saw some of the press conference uh, that you were talking about on Tuesday, and it's extraordinary because, like you say, he... he he doesn't look like an intimidating character. He's the most bookish man I've ever seen, even in an administrative sort of a role in, in the way that he presents or the way that he looks on TV. But he starts making his announcement and he says, we've done a full thorough investigation, which included an interview with Donald Sterling. And the conclusion is that the voice on that line, I honestly thought for a second that he was going to say that voice is not that of Donald Sterling. And I thought, <laughs> what kind of a story have we got now? Uh, if that was com- completely doctored. But it was him. And like you're saying, they've thrown the book at him completely. But can they actually enforce that idea that he... Well, okay, you can ban him from life. Maybe you can say you're not allowed into your own court or, or you're not allowed... But he, he's an American citizen who owns 
private property, uh, as far as mm-hmm. I can see. So yeah. how, how can you force them to sell that? I suppose the pressure, sure. now, the pressure now is on the other owners and what mm-hmm. they can do. And as you said, there's a big legal battle probably coming down the line. But is, is it now incumbent on the other owners to make sure that he, he, he sells? Yeah, there's two things at work here. There's one, how the other owners, how unified will they be? And we don't have on record every owner's voice yet. We have many of them saying that they support. In fact, Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks, of course, never shy to express an opinion. He tweeted in the middle of Adam Silver's press conference, he tweeted out, I 100% support the move that uh, that Adam Silver has made today. Uh, the Warriors owner here in, uh, in, in Oakland, San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area has said he too supports it. There's no room for racism. Uh, the new Kings owner has said the same. It's, they seem to be lining up, and Adam Silver in his in his breakthrough star turn press conference said in very um, stark terms, and one of the things that was kind of neat about his press conference was how careful he was with his language. He answered his questions very precisely and very crisply. He never kind of let verbiage spill over. And when people said, well, how do you know you can do this? He said, I have the full confidence we have the authority of the owners here. And then said that somebody asked him, like, do you have the owners lined up? And he said, I am, I'm very confident that I, that I have this. So he was very... Um, it's all very West Wing or something, Brian, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> kind of, yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and so, guys, well, the answer to your question, kind of the bigger question is, you know, can he do this? We're not sure. You know, we've never really been down this road before. We had Marge, the, the, the only analogy people have drawn here, I don't know if you guys remember this, in the 1990s, the owner of the Cincinnati Reds was this batty old woman named Marge Schott, who was caught uh, in interviews dropping liberal racial slurs about her players, using the N-word on her very own players. And then what really did her in was she expressed admiration for Adolf Hitler. And uh, it was revealed she had a Nazi uh, swastika armband at her home in Cincinnati. That was pretty much enough to turn the public opinion against Marge Schott, and she was suspended by baseball, and she eventually just got so tired of it, she sold. Now, Donald Sterling, according to all the characters who've known him through the years, say he has a bit of Al Davis in him, and that is the old Raiders owner who just went ahead and used to just say, hey, I'm not kowtowing to anybody. I will sue anybody as long as I can and as many times as I can until they give up. And Donald Sterling is apparently as litigious as Al Davis, and that is why some people say David Stern never wanted to take him on about his housing discrimination suit or his Elgin Baylor racial harassment suit. So we have a lot of chapters to be written, guys, but Adam Silver sure kind of shot one across the bow by saying, I am totally confident I can get this done. Brian, one thing that has struck me about this is, and as you say, I'm not sure what the percentage was there of African-American players, but the NBA uh, has, and I think it's been praised over the years for the, the sense of inclusion that there has been from quite a long way back, you know, and I guess the, the amount of good news stories that have come from some of the, the rougher urban areas of, of America through the NBA. This guy is, that's the world that he's operating in, and yet... He has these views, which seem to have been backed up on tape, but also were there for people who who wanted to read those stories of those court cases in the past. How is it that it hasn't blown up now, or or are there more stories emerging of any issues he's had with with be it black coaches or or black players over the years? No, you're you're right. One, in fact, there are critics of this whole thing that are not praising Adam Silver. They have said, you know, really, the NBA almost should be ashamed that it took them this long to act on him. Now, the NBA, and Adam Silver did directly address 
these issues. And he said, one, Elgin Baylor did not win his lawsuit, so we did not have um, a smoking gun to press on Donald Sterling. And as far as the racial discrimination housing suit, he settled it out of court with a specific non-admission of guilt. So the NBA leaned on that to say that uh, they didn't have you know, an opening to go after him. Now, a cynic would say, sure, you could. You could do whatever you want, and that you just didn't want to bother, and you looked the other way, like Bud Seelig did on steroids for years, and like so many people in power structures do, like the Wall Street collapse we had, and how many firms looked the other way at illegal trading that undermined the economy. You know, I mean, any number of stories where powerful people just look the other way. So there is that out there. There is definitely that out there, but as far as anecdotal evidence and stuff, it's the more stuff that comes out, it, it's, it's more disturbing. In the Elgin Baylor um, suit, he alleged that Sterling desired to run what he called a Southern-style, Southern plantation-style organization in which a white coach ran a team of poor Southern black boys. I mean, this, this is the kind of stuff that Elgin Baylor believed Donald Sterling was about. In another suit, in, the, in that suit, it was, educated, it was re, uh, revealed that the players on the Clippers teams were uncomfortable through the years because Sterling would bring his girlfriend or mistress, and again, he married the whole time, girlfriend or mistress into the locker room, and, to, and, and according to some players, while they showered, he was caught saying, look at those beautiful black bodies. Just very bizarre, disgusting, racist, like he had some sort of slave fantasy or something like that. So, you know, why didn't they? pull throw the book at him earlier why you know did they have an opening earlier or was this just the opening you know there are a lot of angles to this guys and i always like i said i recommended the kareem abdul jabbar piece i want to recommend another thing to you guys there's an african-american columnist for espn named bomani jones and he went on a radio show in miami and went on one of the most impressive rants i've ever heard and he talked about how this whole kind of moral outrage over the tape is a joke because really if you listen to it what really Sterling is saying is, hey, I have friends. I, I don't need you bringing black people around my friends. It's the culture we live in. Just work with me on this, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like he was screaming and yelling the N-word, all this. He says, you know, really, when you look at it, the, joke, the tape is kind of a joke. It's almost, a, it's almost just kind of a, a crackpot old man being a doddering old man. He said the real problem is what he did with the housing discrimination. And Bomani Jones, if you guys Google or, or rant, you might even want to play it on your show, his, his rant on Dan Lebetard's show in Miami, in which he talked about the last 70 years of American history and what housing discrimination has done to the cycle of black despair and how white flight into the suburbs changed everything and how landlords who made sure that blacks couldn't live in white communities so that they were always stuck in underfunded uh, uh, communities with no tax dollars in horrible schools and had no hope and had no jobs and that it was all done by people like Donald Sterling who are directly responsible for sort of the you know half century of despair in the black community it was a very impressive and incredible rant that uh, that he went on again his name is Bomani Jones and that was on on ESPN on ESPN radio show but that's a whole other angle and it kind of gets to what you were saying is you know where, where were all these stories in the past? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's well. In one way, in one way, it's such a, a simple story, but in another, they're, they're doing through all these different angles, all these different layers, which is what makes it so fascinating. One of the points we've just touched on so far, Brian, is the reaction of the players. You said that they turned their jerseys inside out in that game. Uh, it was a game four of the series. Uh, they were, I think, they were back at home where they were game five. Was there any? 
call to I don't know for any of the any of the Clippers players to come out and speak about it or even boycott the, that specific game because it, it seems I, I know it can be tricky for players sometimes maybe to make big stands but in this sort of case everything was on their side everybody from Magic Johnson to Michael Jordan to Barack Obama was on their side on this one so they would have been free to really make any sort of stand they want I would have thought with impunity but they, they didn't seem to do a huge amount very true. And we had a guest, uh, Howard Bryan, I believe you had him on before, uh, another African-American ESPN columnist who was very upset at the players missing their opportunity to make a stand. And we talked about kind of how the spirit of protest is kind of gone anymore. You know, that the Ali and the John Carlos and the Tommy Smith and Arthur Ashe, guys who really did things. You know, Tiger Woods is a guy who they've, that people have wanted to make racial stands before and hasn't. There seems to be some sort of spirit of protest missing, and, and many there were people out there that wondered why the Clippers didn't do more. Now others said, hey, it's their dream. They want to play basketball. They want to be together. They're a team. Let them do what they want to do. But no, there was, there was criticism out there that they, didn't, they missed an opportunity to make a change in people's consciousness. Now that said, it was revealed by uh, a Bay Area news group reporter right here in San Francisco named Marcus Thompson that the Warriors said – if there had not been a banishment of Donald Sterling before Game 5 last night, huge game, Warriors-Clippers Game 5, two games, two games apiece, we're down to a best of three now, the Warriors said that they were going to walk off the court as soon as the referee threw the ball up in the air for the jump ball. Now, would they have done it? I don't know. Is it easy to say? We would have done this, but Steph Curry, the great player for the Warriors, told Marcus Thompson they had discussed it as a team and that they were so, they were so upset that there had been no punishment for Donald Sterling, they planned to walk off the court as soon as the ball was tipped. And that would have been, then we're into totally uncharted territory. I mean, the Clippers are on the court with a basketball. The Warriors are off the court standing on the side. We wouldn't have known what to do. Now, it never happened because they were happy with the reaction of Adam Silver. And if there's anything that came out of this, it's that Adam Silver felt the players demanded this punishment on Adam on Donald Sterling, and he was reacting to the players, and the players now believe that Adam Silver is like the man, that he is the man for the job. He could not have won a more political victory with the players than this. So right now the players feel like they would settle for nothing less than a lifetime ban. They got their lifetime ban, and right now there's an ad even. They've already put out an ad called We Are One, and it's a bunch of the NBA players you know, doing plays and coming together and high-fiving and all that stuff. So right now the player unity with the commissioner has never been higher. Brian, I think that's probably just about enough for us to officially place us at number three. Murph, the bronze medal on the Great American Sports Scandals. I think it took in pretty nicely there in number three. We've got, we got to come up with the fourth, and I'm sure we have a million candidates, but we'll come up with a good one. Lovely. Brian, great to talk to you. Amazing story. Right, Thanks guys. so much. Take care. I want to book a holiday. I want the flights, the hotel, some flattering new bikinis, a big silly hat, and nice dinners in local restaurants with cute waiters. And I want... No, I have to be beach ready. So I need to be a regular saver. KBC understands spending is easy, but saving is hard. That's why we have a range of savings options with tempting rates that make savings simple. So you can save when you want and spend when you want. Visit kbc.ie, call 1-800-5152-53 or pop into any KBC hub in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway. KBC, the bank of you. Terms and conditions apply. KBC Bank Ireland PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Yeah, brilliant from Brian this week. He did touch earlier on there on what you mentioned at the start, Ken, the, the slightly um, dubious method by which <laughs> the, mm. this original story came out. We will try and dig down that audio that he's talking about of the uh, what 
is the name of the ESPN commentator. He the mentioned Bomani Jones. Jones. Yeah, we'll try and get that for you because that sounds really interesting before the end of the program. We, we should probably complete the top five American scandals, though, Murph. Tony oh, Har- yeah. Tonya Harding's getting a look in there, Shorty. Well, I think Tonya Harding, yeah. Um, and I also happen to think that the 1919 Black Sox scandal were the Chicago White Sox through the World Series. Oh, yeah. You're telling me that, that doesn't belong? Now, see, there are two things here, really. I suggested a Mount Rushmore of American scandals. I think Tonya Harding fits in quite nicely there. So you've got picture, you've got basically huge monuments cast in stone to Donald Sterling, uh, O.J. Simpson, mm-hmm. Tonya Harding, mm-hmm. and Tiger Woods. Mm. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think that you can put up the entire 1919 Black Sox. No, just shoot a show. Well, it's only four heads. So, I mean, if you want a top five, let's throw Shoeless Joe Jackson in there. Otherwise, you have your Matt Rushmore of scandal. If it were for, if it were for that story blowing up, we would be talking to US Murph about Gary Smith this week. Well, I would certainly wanted to do that, but uh, he's the Sports Illustrated writer who retired. A lot of people have this guy down as the best sports writer in America, maybe one of the best magazine feature writers, full stop. I first came across him through his Tiger Woods article, The Chosen One. I don't know if you remember this piece from 1996, December 23rd, 1996. Was that the one where he... Uh, his off-colour jokes. yeah. He, oh no! There you go. Now, that, I don't think Tiger would have. I don't think Tiger was too happy about that. What this was was a, a, a not more than a peak. Incredible insight into a human Tiger Woods just before the machine really started cranking up. And the machine is a phrase that I think Gary Smith himself used. I mean, the the little tagline at the start says Tiger Woods was raised to believe that his destiny is not only to be the greatest golfer ever, but also to change the world. Will the pressures of celebrity grind him down first? It's incredible. I read this again quite recently, or a few years back, after the uh, the whole scandal blew up. And it's amazing just to look back and maybe see if there's any telltale, telltale signs or anything like that. But um, one of the great strengths of Gary Smith, and I've been reading quite a lot of him over the last few days, people have been tweeting a lot of his best articles. He uses direct quotes quite sparingly, considering the length of the features that he writes. But when he does use them, they tend to have an impact. Check this out. This is from Earl Woods in 1996. Tiger will do more than any other man in history to change the course of humanity, Earl says. Anyone, Mr. Woods? You're someone of more impact than Nelson Mandela, more than Gandhi, more than Buddha. Yes, because he has a larger form than any of them, because he's playing a sport that's international, because he's qualified through his ethnicity to accomplish miracles. He's the bridge between the East and the West. There is no limit because he has the guidance. I don't know yet exactly what form this will take, but he is the chosen one. He'll have the power to impact nations, not people, nations. The world is just getting a taste of his power. (laughs) Now that is a quote. If you're Mm -hmm. going to put a quote out there. It's kind of hard to live up to... Your father's expectations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You start seeing yeah. some reasons why maybe things weren't that easy for Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was just supposed to go- dominate the golf world. It turns out he was supposed to dominate the world. Does that cross the line from, um, you know, supportive parent to pushy parent? I think... I think Earl Woods might have crossed that line as well. Uh, yeah, probably sneaks over the line. Do people still write like this? Or, uh, the, the, you know, the... Gay to Lee is another one of these great old magazine writers who spend weeks and weeks and weeks with a subject. You've got the time to do it, but you also need the skill to pull it off. And then you come out with this incredible portrait that just is impossible in a shorter form article. Does this, does Wright Thompson, ESPN, is one name that springs to mind? It does something. I think it does. Think quite well, a, yeah. I think there are, there are a good bit of that. Uh, there's a good bit of that. I mean, yeah, particularly I, in America, though. I mean, yeah. because you need to have, first of all, a pile of money to get someone to go and um, or your organisation spend a long time yeah. doing something you know which is, so 
You need to, yeah, you need to have a, a, an organization, a media organization you work for, who are financially supportive of that and also editorially supportive, who actually see the value in that kind of an article. I think there is huge value in it. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, th- I don't think that there are that many magazines out there that are doing enough good business to say to a guy, right, for the next two months you're writing one article of 3,000 words in length. I mean, I don't think there's, there, there are many organisations, well, full-stop magazines or otherwise. ESPN is one, maybe. That's why I mentioned Wright Thompson. Yeah, Wright they Thompson. do have the um, ability, the, the structures and the money there to allow their talented writers to write about this kind of thing. We have to move on, though, because Benny Dunn, former tip captain, is on the line to look ahead to the league final against Kilkenny. And tip have had a couple of shockers in this campaign, Benny, but they pulled it together and a great win against Clare last time out. Are there certain games like that one that take on a life of their own within the league and in this case the players it's not a championship game sure but maybe they really needed to win that game against Clare just to be sure that they're going in the right direction Absolutely and I think you know I think it, it wasn't just a Clare game on its own I think it really started against Dublin when you know they were to the pin of their collar in terms of having needing to win that game and that game was a very close game and you know and it went really down to the wire and Tip kind of pulled away from Dublin in the last 10 minutes and I think I think Tip's league season turned at that point. They followed it up with a great win against Cork, put big scores on the board. You know, they looked very, you know, very flush up front. Uh, Seamus Callan in particular had a great game that day. Um, and again, went on to the Gaelic grounds against Clare and put up 2.24 on the scoreboard. And, and you know, it looked, looked superior on the day. And probably out of the four teams that day, uh, Tipper probably looked the strongest of the four. Kieran Bergen was quoted as saying in the run-up to the league final, uh, I know for a fact even our own supporters this year were saying that they're all this, they're that, they're useless, they'll win nothing. Has there been that sense? I, I don't know if Tip is any worse than any other county, but it does seem sometimes like the supporters can get down on the team if things aren't going well. Has there been, is there a danger that, that this Tip team has kind of one bad result and maybe one bad championship win away from getting quite a lot of abuse heaped down upon them? Yeah, and I, th- I think Tip is is one of those counties where, uh, you know, if the team, if the senior team isn't doing well, and we've seen that over the last, you know, number of years where, you know, the senior team does get a lot of criticism if they don't play to the high expectations that our supporters uh, feel they should be playing at. And, you know, I think, you know, Brendan has been quoted as saying it this week, uh, Kieran Bergen, after the clear win, you know, that they felt that in the squad that the supporters were hard on them. But, you know, I mean, the supporters, you know, they pay good money to go see league games. The team wasn't performing to its best earlier on in the league. But, look, they've picked it up since then. And I think, you know, the supporters have eased back a little bit. But having said that, you know, our supporters will be looking for, for you know, a national title on um, on Sunday against Kilkenny. And anything short of that, I'm sure, uh, you know, the supporters won't be happy either, um, you know, so... We'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, you've been in the middle of that, Betty. Uh, what's that? What's that like? You know, the, the feeling that criticism nearly all around you. You know, where, whether it's at work or at home or whatever, that you're in the middle of a bit of a storm down there. Yeah, it, look, it's it's not a nice place to be, but I think if you turn that into a motivation to uh, for the team to start to try play better, well, then you can turn it into a positive and. I think you felt that that's what's coming out of the squad at this stage. You know, they went away after the, the care win. They went into camp for a training week for a week. And, uh, you know, they've really picked it up since then. I think they used that criticism to motiv- motivate themselves within the squad. And, and, you know, that can only be a good thing too. Are there any signs that Eamon O'Shea is doing anything different this year from what he did last year? Because we know how much respect everybody had for him as a coach. He's coming as a manager, which is a slightly different uh, skill set, I guess. But is he is he doing anything different than what he was doing a few years ago as a coach from what you can see or anything different, maybe more pertinently, anything different to last year? 
Yeah, well, looking from the outside in, I know you would have been involved uh, with Eamon for two years in 09 and 10. And, you know, as a coach, absolutely top class. And um, But you hit the nail on the head there, being the coach and being a manager, two totally different things. And now Eamon's issues on the other foot. He's now the manager, so he's having to manage, you know, the media. He's having to manage player, players, that kind of stuff. So it's a totally different job. But I think he, he obviously found it a bit tougher last year and, and, and the transition a bit different. But I think this year, um, you know, he's a year down as manager and he's probably finding it a bit easier this year in, in terms of what he has to do as manager. Um, so, look, I think he's, you know, he's he's got keys around board this year as well, which is, I think, a big plus for, for Tip. And I think the lads are using him periodically during the year and, and that can only be a good thing as well. What sort of role is McGinney playing? Well, from what I can gather, he's, you know, he's only been seen three or four times kind of since he came in at the start. Um, you know, so they use him, I suppose, when they need to, if, you know, a player needs to, is feeling, you know, he needs a bit of a boost of confidence or, or is feeling low on himself that they can pick up the phone to him. Um, you know, use his words of wisdom, if you like. You know, he's, he kind of brings an air of professionalism to the whole setup. I can imagine, I've never spoken to the man, but from what I can gather, you know, he's very professional in his approach. You know, he was a hard, hard trainer and he's bringing a bit of steel to the whole setup. Um, which is probably what we needed after the last couple of years. So, um, you know, he's a good guy to have involved, and I think he was a good a good find at the start of the season and something, you know, maybe that could be that 1% extra that, that Tip needs, you know, to, to kick on and, and, and try to start winning national titles again. Absolutely. Well, Benny, doing this, and great to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. All right, thanks, guys. It's an interesting kind of a role that Kieran McGinney is playing there, just checking in the odd time. It seems like it's, I don't want to say it's sports psychology, but it certainly seems to be mental preparation. Yeah, and I think um, there was one of the selectors, Michael Ryan, was quoted as saying that I've I've actually only seen Kieran three times or four times since the start, since he first came in with us. But the players use him as and when they see fit. So it's nearly, it's nearly he's not he's not so much part of a ma- part of the management team. He's more a part of the player group and trying to help out with any issues that the player group might have had. That's my understanding of what's yeah, been said yeah, about his role. Yeah. Um, but it is pretty interesting that he could be a selector on the Armagh football team yeah. and also be seen as a backroom member of the Tipperary Hurling team. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that if the that if used correctly, he could actually have a really, really positive you impact. You mentioned Benny being in the eye of a storm there. I assume that you, you meant when he was sent off in the All-Ireland final. Yeah, he also played though when during... Babs Keating's uh, pretty tumultuous second uh, period in charge of Tipperary. So the Tip fans really do seem to get down their team. I'm sure if Tipperary people listening might say that they're no worse than fans in any other county. But it does it does seem that when things, the Lark Corbett thing was well, that wasn't so much from within Tip. That was from everywhere. When, when mm. Lark Corbett was given a specific role two seasons ago, it looked weird. He was negated his own attacking instincts by uh, trying to man mark was it Tommy Walsh that day why have I forgotten who it was anyway um, I think the I think the that was that was a nationwide thing but I think it was stoked by the ferocity of the reaction within Tipperary and there have been countless other examples of uh, Tipperary fans showing a pretty short fuse when it comes to this kind of thing now in fairness they haven't had the success maybe that their players over the last 15 years uh, have warranted. I mean, you know, when you look at how much they've actually won since the 2001 or Ireland final when everyone thought they were going to dominate hurling for the decade to come, you can see maybe why they would there would be frustration amongst the Tipperary fans, but certainly it's there and they're not uh, they're not shy of showing it. Right, US Murph really sold that Bomani Jones interview earlier on. Jones, an ESPN contributor who went on uh, what Brian described as a rant, but it 
sounds like an articulate, intelligent kind of a rant about the Donald Sterling story. And Simon has dug it up here, so we'll play uh, we'll play a few minutes of this because it's uh, it's probably worth it. He's speaking to Dan Labatard on ESPN two, and this is um, as I mentioned, it's a few minutes long, but it does come highly recommended by Brian. So I think Brian said it out in the in the in the context of this phone call happened. He said these ridiculous things, but that's really the thin end of the wedge and the much bigger issue that uh, that this man has been, that Donald Sterling has been involved in, has been as a landlord, as a slumlord, uh, and essentially segregating cities, I think, is the way that um, that Bomani Jones talks about it here. So we'll have a listen. All that stuff that's happening in Chicago is a byproduct of housing discrimination. I was talking to somebody today who would tell you there are large swaths of land in Chicago in between, like, the south suburbs and downtown, just on the south side, that people simply don't live in. Because in Chicago, when black people moved to that city from the south in the 1940s and 1950s, white people got the hell out of Dodge. They built a freeway system that ran through black neighborhoods, and the whole purpose of that freeway system was to get white people from the suburbs into their jobs safely without having to make any stops in between. That's what housing discrimination does. Housing discrimination is the biggest reason that we could point to historically for why we got all these dead kids in Chicago fighting for turf, fighting for real estate with poor accommodations and facilities and everything that you're supposed to have within a city, poor education, all of this, because the tax dollars and everything else decided to move away. And a lot of people like to use as a strategy to avoid that. It's like to find an apartment in one of those nice neighborhoods so then they can send their kids to nicer schools and have a chance for their kids to go somewhere in life. Instead, when you can't do that, you wind up in basically where like these neighborhoods that are created by apartheid and they're desolate and they're dangerous and they're frightening and we just have whole generations of people that we have given up on. And the biggest reason that this sort of thing has happened is because jack wagons like Donald Sterling make this decision that they do not want black people or Mexicans or anybody else living near these pristine white people who are trying like hell to get away from us and then point at us and wonder why all your stuff is messed up. That's the stuff that Donald Sterling has been doing forever. Everybody talks about that settlement in 2009. He was originally sued in 2003 for the South of discrimination. In 2006, we got a hold of the paperwork where he says that black people smell and attract vermin and that Mexicans just sit around and drink all day. His wife was going around to those properties, knocking on the door like it's some Henry Ford stuff and taking inspection, posing as, a, as though she worked for the government while she was tracking the ethnicities of the people who lived in their buildings. And you're going to come to me and talk about what's going on with Donald Sterling and his mistress? Are you kidding me? That stuff was real. That stuff matters. That stuff literally kills people. And everybody and their mom is so charged up about Donald Sterling. So I'm going to go to a funeral next week for somebody who took somebody else's bullet because that city's become a war zone. And the people that have money and the people who could possibly do something to fix it, ignore it and go to their homes in the south suburbs that for the last 70 years people have tried their damnedest to keep black people out of. But I'm supposed to get charged up because Donald Sterling said his rich friends don't want his black mistress to be around black people. People need to get their heads out their clavins and realize that this here is fun to talk about, but this is nothing. The real stuff that happened was that. So and all these guys get up here and stand on their soapbox and wag their fingers and start talking about, oh, we won't tolerate this racism. We won't tolerate what Donald Sterling said. What they're not tolerating about Donald Sterling is the fact that what he said was impolite and what he said was gauche. That's what their problem is. But when Donald Sterling was out here toying with people's lives on things that really matter, it matters to life and death. The media, the NBA, the sponsors, and all these people now who want to get patted on the back for what good people they are didn't say a mumbling word. They can all kiss my behind. <laughs> I think that was certainly well worth playing. And 
Uh, it does. When Brian turns this on to things, yeah, he's not going to say it just for the sake of it. Uh, it does raise some. Uh, well, it's really one particularly pertinent point that he raises there, and that's that everybody's getting way too worked up over this phone call and the, the, this nonsensical bile that he was spouting compared to what seems to be a lifetime a of lifetime work. A lifetime of, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is fair enough. I, the, what I would say is I, sometimes as human beings we need to see and hear things. I, I suppose if you just read the stories they're there so maybe that's a cop well, it's out. Just, it's, just but it's, it's just so immediate when you hear this guy there's no doubt about it. It, it, it. The voice is verified. He's on the phone. He's talking in a very genuine authentic way I should say it, 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 this is the man's voice so you know straight away okay well he might have settled out of court in, in this previous case he didn't admit liability all these things seem to uh, there are allegations against him but here he is actually basically saying I'm a racist it's a for it's you know he's he's obviously um, committed a formal breach of protocol it's the smoking uh, gun that, that Brian Murphy was speaking about I mean, that, that basically that's the exact phrase that Brian used and Maybe sometimes that's what you need to... Yeah, there is. But, you know, were there, was there really any appetite to do anything about this before? I mean, I mean, I th- you could compare it, I suppose, to, for instance, the FA's response to... Um, the, the difference between the FA's response to Luis Suarez and his racist uh, outrage uh, and the way that they <clears throat> clamped down on him and made an example of him, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and compare that to their... Refusal to do anything about the fact that there are no black coaches in English football. Mm. So there you've got like an example of, or at least a suggestion of a game that is institutionally racist from top to bottom that they don't want to do anything about. But if they are presented with a formal breach of, oh, well, you, you, you can't do that, then they will hand out a punishment in order to show that it's not a... You know, that, that they don't tolerate racism. Whereas, in fact, day to day, to day to day, week to week, you look at it and you think, well, you aren't really doing anything to, to combat what appears to be a problem of institutional racism in your game. What's coming up in second campus football? That's. Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm, walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? <laughs> Champions League semi-final zone. That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, uh, varying fortunes for the managers involved, and the two—it's the two superstars, the two best-paid managers in the world, who have got beaten, who've got turfed out of the semi-final stage. Uh, suggesting all kinds of uh, totally contradictory uh, lessons that the game can take from from these matches. Yeah, it's all coming up a little bit later on. Do check out irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts to hear all the other shows that are on. You've got uh, business, travel, politics, loads of other great stuff there. So definitely have a listen. Keep following us on Twitter at Second Captains if you're not already doing so. Um, Do get on that. Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. And you can listen to us on all the usual Stitcher, IPP, if you're uh, if you're an Android, iTunes, and on the Irish Times page, irishtimes.com forward slash second captains. Looking forward to talking Champions League in more detail a little bit later on. Thanks. Uh, who am I going to thank first? Ken. Oh, thanks, Owen. No problem. Murph, thank you. Yeah, whatever. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. We'll um, talk to you a little bit later on. That's the second time it's gone off.
never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.